We welcome you to our study of the authority of the Bible here on the Radio Bible Course. We have been talking about Jesus Christ as God's representative. He is the Savior of the world. He came to be the King of the Jews. But he is also a prophet of God. And as a prophet, he spoke for God. In our previous lesson, we saw that he claimed equality with God. And he said that to the extent that if men did not honor him, they did not honor God who sent him. He also said in John chapter 12, whoever rejects his words rejects God's. When the apostle said, show us the Father, he said, have I been with you so long? And you ask me to show you the Father when you have seen me. You have seen the Father. Well, with such a person on the scene speaking for God and being God in the flesh, we should not find that the evil satanic forces were arrayed against him and that he would be subject to the most severe test. And he was. We read about that in Matthew chapter 4 when he was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell those stones to become bread. This is not unlike the attack in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, when the tempter came to Adam and Eve. And Satan used the word of God back there, twisting it, to cause them to doubt the word of God. He said, Has God said that you shall not eat of all the trees of the garden? That appeal to scripture by Satan was both subtle and deceiving. They were not aware that they were being tempted. Here was a being who was appealing to the word of God. He's friendly, and he appeals to the word of God. And he does the same thing today. There are people who use the word of God, and they appear to be on God's side, speaking for God. But they don't tell you all of the truth. They are messengers of the evil one. They are members of cults, and they try to get you away from the historic faith that says, Jesus is the Son of God, and that the Bible is the only Word of God. They come with other books claiming to be the Word of God. And they tell us that Jesus is not the Son of God, but a Son of God. Oh, they are subtle. And like Satan in the Garden of Eden, they first cite a scripture and then present an interpretation to appeal to the intellect of man. It pretends to aim at the enhancement of knowledge to the point that what was forbidden by God in the Garden of Eden is less important than the reason for it. Listen to how that evil one appealed to the intellect with Eve. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. Notice how he appealed to the reason. Oh, they wanted to be like God. And... Satan suggested that they didn't have all the truth from God, that they needed to find out why God was saying what he said to them. And almost he suggested that God was sneaky. He did not want you to eat of that particular tree because then you would have as much knowledge as he would. Man has always been troubled by his intellect. He has always wanted to know the secrets of God and be like God. The devil does everything possible to suggest that God has not given us all the truth and that God's word is simply designed to limit our intelligence. The result is that we turn from the word of God and we turn to a messenger of the evil one. Keep in mind that Satan spoke through a serpent in that early day in the Garden of Eden. And today he speaks through men, men who are false apostles, deceitful workers. Such men raise questions about the Word of God. They say you can't really believe what it says. And they suggest that all of it is not true, that it cannot be trusted, that there are contradictions in the Word of God. They suggest that the dates of the writing of the Old Testament prophets really are inaccurate. And they suggest that perhaps Paul did not write certain epistles. All that is subtle. To appeal to your intellect so you will not trust the word of God. Now when Jesus appeared on the scene, the tempter came with the same strategy. His strategy never changes. But... He did not come to Jesus in a garden. He came to him after a fast, when he was at his weakest physically. The tempter here in Matthew chapter 4 followed the same strategy that he used in the garden by raising doubts. And his first statement to Jesus was, If you are the Son of God. Now why raise that? Well, the end of chapter 3, which just precedes this temptation story, tells us about how Jesus was baptized. Matthew 3 tells us that at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him, and a voice came from heaven, which said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Notice, God had spoken and affirmed that Jesus was the Son of God. Satan's first question is, if you are the Son of God. That was designed to raise doubts in Jesus Christ. To cause him to reconsider, well, perhaps I'm not the Son of God. The strategy didn't work. But its purpose was, to doubt the word of God, the word that came from the Father in heaven, saying, This is my Son. And Jesus responded with all that by saying in verse 4, It 
is written. Whenever Jesus or the apostles refer to it is written, they're talking about the word of God. God's word endures forever. It will never fail. Heaven and earth shall pass away, Jesus said, but my word shall not pass away. So it is with the word of God. God has spoken in early times by the prophets, in various times and various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken unto us by his Son, and that word will endure forever. It's permanent. It will never change. You can trust it. And so Jesus answered the tempter by saying, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from where? Comes from the mouth of God. Did Jesus believe that God had spoken? Indeed he did. He could not have expressed it better. And in this passage, he quotes Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 8, who gathered the Israelites and said, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these forty years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Do you realize what Jesus was affirming when he quoted from Deuteronomy 8? He had just said something about the word of God and then quotes the word of God. He believed that statement by Moses, written by Moses and spoken by Moses, was the word of God. He claimed that God was speaking through Moses, and Satan did not challenge him. He did not try to convince Jesus that God had not spoken. He knew that he had, and Satan is much wiser than many of the liberal critics of the Bible today who claim that God has not spoken. Satan believes he has. Now there's a lesson here for us. After we have believed the word of God, the unseen powers attack us intensely, but so subtle is their strategy that we are often deceived. At times, we are deceived by men. They are false apostles, and the evil one speaks through them. They raise doubts by intellectualism and by so-called science or theories of men. I have often heard those say who do not believe the Bible, how can you trust the Bible when it has undergone so many translations? And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, it has gone from one language to another, to another, and to another. There are many languages that it has been translated into before we got the translation that we have. And I say, I'm sorry. I disagree with that. We have 
ancient manuscripts in Hebrew and very ancient manuscripts in Greek, and our Bibles are translated from those two original languages. Furthermore, I have the Hebrew and the Greek texts, and if I'm in doubt about a passage, I can go to those early languages and compare the translation with both the Hebrew and the Greek, and I can make a word study in order to determine whether the word meant in that day what it means today. There is no problem of translation here. Men want to doubt the word of God because they have listened to the evil one. They are deceived. I'm amused. These very people who doubt the word of God are people who have never studied the word of God. Most of them have never read it completely through, and yet they are expert judges of a book they have never read. That's amazing. Do you have questions about the Bible? One of our listeners does. And she phoned in and asked these questions. Did Jesus teach tithing? Is tithing for the New Testament Christian? And what does the Bible say about women preachers? We'll answer at least one of those questions in our program tomorrow. I'll be here, and I hope you'll join us. No one ought to be afraid to die, because the Bible has many promises of eternal life from a loving God. If you're not familiar with what the Bible teaches about eternal life, we invite you to write for our free booklet entitled, Heaven's Password. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.